Okay, hello everybody. It is Wednesday, October 28th, um, 2020. Mm-hmm. And since we last spoke, there have been some rather interesting developments in the American political world. Um, before we, before we a, get into that, I mean, how, how have you been doing? Yeah. What have you been doing, up to? <laughs> Uh, well, that's also a political thing because I spent me, I've spent all day running around, uh, in a last ditch effort to get the word out before the upcoming election on November about my campaign with the city council. So I've been handing out the last of my little five by seven flyers and, um, talking to people. I actually had a really good day doing that today. I I had some really great conversations. I ran into some people who were undecided, who, I think I tipped the scales and I, I was wearing those uh, heart shaped sunglasses that I took from Shay after he <laughs> after he rudely and pointlessly destroyed my fucking um, glass table while right. inebriated, which, which we longtime listeners <laughs> might remember from our earlier episode called Losing Our Shit. That's the introduction to that. We never really explained it, but that was uh, Hurricane Shay rolling through my um, <laughs> living room. Um, so the so the heart shaped sunglasses worked. They they charmed the voters. I think I think between having the shaved head, the mask on, and the heart shaped sunglasses, <laughs> I looked like a friendly cartoon character. Yeah, that's true. Like that's I looked so like funny. the protagonist from a cartoon that would be like maybe a PG thirteen cartoon, but like I'm the one that's like trying to help. Yeah. Well, uh, was that Pinky in the Brain or Animaniacs kind of style maybe? In the Animaniacs, they always had, like, nurse masks yeah. on and stuff, I remember. Yeah, they were maniacs. They were Animaniacs for sure. I feel like you could do I don't like think a, I would... of, a more adult-themed. Right. <laughs> yeah, like something like like the um, what, what, the Studio Ghibli version of uh, the Animaniacs or something. Yeah. I think uh, of all the uh, characters from children's cartoons, mm-hmm. I think the Animaniacs would be among the least who you would want to actually have let loose in your in your life. Yeah, pretty awful. Yeah, it's just they're like, they, they don't even ha- they don't have any like legendary status either as like cartoon characters. Really, you know, they're kind of we- no. I mean, as far as I know, they're you know they're fairly recent and kind of a weird WB, right? <laughs> they live in the water tower. They're like not allowed around the other cartoons because they're just chaotic. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which, if you're too chaotic for other cartoons, then you've got serious fucking problems. Yeah, it was that second generation of the cartoons, all the the duck babies and like you know baby baby versions of everything muppet babies yeah i still remember that i can hear that in my head every time i say it <laughs> i i could deal with muppet babies around I, don't, I think it would be strange i don't know if i'd really want them in my life much i think it'd be kind of cool to have ninja turtles as friends yeah that would mean that was my childhood favorite i would wear a ninja turtles yeah. outfit fairly often and my friends and I would argue all the time about who got to be, you know, which which one and stuff. I can't remember who exactly was my favorite, honestly. Um, really? I know. I think it's, it's like, yeah. I'll tell you right away. It, it's easy for me. I can see it in my eyes. Who Donatello. Donatello. Yeah. I mean, and yeah. he's the kind of like he's got the he's got the two um he's got the two little weapons, right? What are those called? No, he's got the stick. Okay. He's got the stick. Got it. So he saw a lot of I'm action in the cartoon and... because obviously you're not going to be like stabbing and knifing people that much, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You're going to be hitting him with a stick. So he actually got quite a bit of True. the beat down, but he was also really smart. He had natural pragmatic sort of 
leadership qualities and scientific qualities without <laughs> stepping on the toes of Leonardo, who I thought was frankly kind of milk toast. But he wasn't as like conflicted and pissed off as Raphael or as much of a dipshit as Michelangelo. Yeah, this is true. I think I think mm -hmm. I think that might have been my favorite too, honestly. I because uh, I remember mm -hmm. the staff was always really cool to me. That was like my my weapon of choice. Yeah, the big long stick through, that I could spin through around. Boost. Yeah. Yeah. He's a thinking person's turtle. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I have a funny, I, I, we used to play in this Creek in my house when I was growing up down in the woods and we played Ninja Turtles there. Cause it was like really huge size. So like if you knock Ninja Turtle off the bridge into the <laughs> Creek, then it's like, it's like, you know, some, a, a, a cinematic scene, Yeah. you know, it's yeah. like a big deal. But anyway, uh, I knocked my Donatello out there and I lost him and I was super bummed out. And then like almost a year later, I found him again, just underneath a log and underwater. <laughs> and, and he was, he'd gone through the winter floods and everything. And he was like relatively unmolested. And I, it was like one of the greatest great. days of my childhood. I, I think I've had, I have yeah. some memories like that too, of like a GI Joe or a couple GI Joes I'd buried or something and forgot about, or then find him later. Yeah. And like, oh, what the fuck? I'm like, holy shit. Yeah. How have you been, dude? I've been good. Yeah. All things considered. Yeah. Just yeah. doing it. Kind of hanging in there, doing the same, more of the same. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's been getting colder here, so it's been kind of like, okay, getting into the uh, cold mindset and uh, just hunker, w hunkering w down. Woolrick weather? Yeah, Woolrick weather Fucking... and had a hot toddy. Yeah. yeah. Ooh. <laughs> What'd you put in it? Uh, we had one the other night, and it, it was uh, just with some bourbon and uh, okay, just classic All with right. the cloves and cinnamon and... I'm yeah, in hot water. Yeah, I mean it's kind of my one of my my favorites. I, I think they're just all. Like, it's a dudes. good one because you can't get too fucked up on hot toddies. No, unless you're fucking weird. Like I mean, I did push it one time. I think I feel like it was like a hot toddy deal or something. You know, at like some bar. You know, uh -huh. like, how how many of these can I drink and and walk home? I don't know, but <laughs> with your stomach's all. It's like hot. drinking warm cough syrup. Yeah, right. It's like. <laughs> It's or like or eggnog. It's yeah. just another one. It's like yeah. alcoholic eggnog. Well, I can do one of those, but then my constitution yeah. just takes over, and it's I'm done. I, yeah. I fall asleep like an old man. <laughs> yeah, um, but, I, yeah. I've been on a cleanse, so I've not been nice. drinking, and I've been eating like super clean, like vegan. Nice. Um, and all these sort of just a lot of raw vegetables and antioxidants, and just trying to like just clean out the system because uh, that's good. I don't know. It seems like a really good time to do that. Um, mm -hmm. We're approaching the sort of month of veneration of the dead that happens traditionally in Catholic countries starting. Mm -hmm. really, I, I, we could talk about I might do a mini episode about Halloween or we might do a return and talk about it at some point. But right. it does kind of like Halloween is definitely like in many ways. And I could make this argument, you know, at a later time, sort of a traditional uh, Catholic holiday because it's then followed it precisely afterwards by all saints day and all souls day um which are uh, pretty special this sunday will be all saints day this monday will be all souls day so you kind of contemplate people who've died and mm -hmm. uh in this year i've lost a couple and you know there's certainly i'm sure there's plenty of other people who have as well yeah. and then that's the great thing is you have all of november to sort of have this sort of reverence of the dead it's sort of like a season of mists and then you get to do advent and celebrate birth through december so it's a really kind of joyful time for a lot of people in you know the catholic world out there sure. um i mean i think even beyond that i mean like even in the i've been doing a lot of astrotheology or ast astrology oh, okay. lately, kind of shit lately yeah, just like, on even me. on that world too i mean just like it's the uh 19 year metonic cycle the moon or whatever coming to a 
uh, a full cycle, right? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. There's some other of oh, the Great Conjunction. I think is this the end of this year in December. So there's a <laughs> planetary alignment with uh, Jupiter and Saturn, I believe. Okay. And uh, it hasn't happened in you know like fairly long time. I think maybe 400 years or something like that. So there's kind of like these like okay. weird, there's some there's some uh, there's some time markers, you know, especially if you consider time to be kind of like the just kind of the relationship between all of the, the objects in space, you know, and like where they kind of sit. It's kind of one of those points at which like, oh, they're all kind of aligning to back to where they were at some previous point in time. Like it's one of those things where like, oh, I can pull out my 1543 calendar and it would like still work, still work with like the current date or whatever, you know. Right. It's one of those kind I, of situations. I wish I'd known. I wish I'd remembered this because I was reading about obviously uh, what was it last night or the night before the Dodgers won the World Series. And uh -huh, uh -huh. I was reading that that hadn't happened since 1988 when right. there was some other like cosmic alignment that was happening as well. I don't know. Totally. I was uh, tripping on that a little bit too. I was because I I listened to something recently and was doing some reading about like sports and baseball specifically and its relationship to uh, like Freemasonry and theosophy and stuff like that. And <laughs> yeah, I saw pretty, that. Pretty funny. I mean, it actually does genuinely have yeah. roots in it, and it's pretty bizarre. I mean, the oh, guy I Spalding, totally agree. Yeah, Spalding, the guy who like you know the, the ball, yeah. Spalding, uh, the ball guy, yeah, the ball guy. He was a total theosophist, you know. So it's like through and I don't know. Yeah. It's just like there's all these you know weird angles to it, and and then when it comes to like yeah, games and uh, historic games, big games that are wins or mm -hmm. t tides being turned, you know. It's kind of like okay, what's what's going on here? And uh, I've seen those. Like, yeah, I mean, some people like bet on that with like geometria and stuff like that. But I'm not to that. Well, point. It, it, <laughs> I mean, baseball is unquestionably a more mystical sport, right? And yeah, it's some got. Sure. Yeah, I mean, football is essentially like a mm -hmm. war games. It's like an analog for like you yeah. know working out strategic war game sort of thing. Totally. Um, Okay, so yeah, that that's a that's a thing. But uh, yeah, that's, all that's there. I mean, there's there's just a lot of like there's a lot of uh, like in addition to like yeah, like you're saying like some yearly kind of like a cycle. There's like there's a kind of a you know a bigger big cosmic cycle too that seems like it has its toes you know or has a uh, importance in a lot of different traditions and stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, one more thing I'm I'm getting into is uh, I'm looking to move to you're... another house in in Arcata. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. Did I, you, I, I mentioned uh, that before. Was it? Yeah, I think you may maybe did. Is it so? It's coming together. So far, yeah. I just, I, I mean, I'm trying to take my roommates with me to the new place. That's mm. the idea. I want to mm -hmm. have a place with a nice big yard, which this has. I've known the woman for a long time. She's a family friend, so I feel comfortable renting from her. <laughs> I've done a lot of work for her over the years, carpentry wise. I've actually done work on this house before. Nice. And uh, I really want to get a cat. It's cat season. <laughs> My friend Megan just found a bunch of kittens in her yard, oh. and she's been uh, taking care of them, and they're getting bigger, and they're going to be ready just about <laughs> the time that um, they're, you know, bottle-fed. They're on soft foods now, but they were sure. born in late September. Gotcha. The mom was way too skittish to kind of look after them. She just kind of ducked because she's a feral animal, and that's sure. understandable. Yeah. So, uh Megan's been taking care of them, and um, I've been looking at them, and I'm like, man, I really, I, I'm liking them. One of them seems like a real asshole, which is right up my alley. He's, like a, <laughs> he's very aggressive male, and he's kind of like the the showboat, the showboat, uh -huh, uh -huh. little kind of you know cock of the walk. I'm <clears> trying to decide whether I want two or one. I know that you'd probably be more of an advocate for two. I mean, but uh, yeah, it's it's kind of like if they come together as a bundle, you know, it makes sense. 
I yeah, I've I've been always like historically more like a one cat person, I guess. But like you know, yeah, just kind of it's it's whatever. I mean, I feel like it's like if you have one, it's not like that much harder or anything to deal with anymore. It's just like their interactions become funny. Showboating showboating cats are always funny too. I mean, just like the way they carry themselves through the house, right? Once they like establish their territory, it's fun to watch them. Right, and with kittens, it's there's a lot of blank slate there. You can really build a big like relationship with them and i'm somebody who has always had a bond with animals particularly cats mm-hmm, same. so i look i would look forward to the idea of being able to sort of bond with these animals or possibly just this one animal like i said i haven't decided i'm gonna kind of just go how visit them, check them out again how many are there? there's three there's oh, okay. three and there's absolutely no fucking way i'm taking three cats <laughs> <laughs> right yeah. that's just that that's just too much it's, yeah. i mean I, it would be weird it's yeah it's getting a yeah. little, little, little crazy it's a little really two seems silly but no no i yeah. could or, in, at least entertain the notion right yeah no totally it was but, like mine my, my, like the two of mine were like they were just together they hung out their brother and sister mm-hmm. it was like you know i can't there's no choice, really. It, was, it would have been you know, yeah. rude to me to try to do something else, but yeah. Right, that would have been horrible. Like yeah, they were, and they were feral, right? Yeah, I mean, so essentially. I mean, yeah. like they had been, they had been uh, taken to uh, get fixed and stuff by a friend of ours pre- sure. prior to our even getting getting to that place and everything, but just kind of bonded to yeah. them by being there and stuff. And yeah, so they were, they just kind of hung out, and it was a total cat neighborhood, you know. It's like a similar situation where there's like kittens, you know, popping out every now and then. Yeah. But, that, that's the thing too the place i'm moving to is a very cat friendly neighborhood that's cool yeah that's exciting i mean that's definitely yeah. exciting it's... there's this one guy who lives across the street he's always eyeballing me <laughs> and he's i'm talking about a cat by the way okay so, before i take it too far he's got a little like sort of charlie chaplin kind of hitler mustache in his coloring <laughs> and apparently he just sort of like owns the block Oh, okay, yeah. Is the word is the word on the street? Mm-hmm. And so when I was backing out my truck the other day, you know, because I'd been doing work over there, I've been repairing the walls and painting and that kind of stuff. He was kind of like, he literally gave me the same eye that like the you know president of like the neighborhood watch would give you. He's <laughs> kind of like, the fuck are you doing here, man? Right. And I'm just like, yeah. All right, let's see how this let's see how this plays out. Because if I do get a kitten or or kittens, yeah, uh, they're they're not going outside anytime without supervision, like anytime soon. Right away, know? yeah, for they, sure. No, they need to they need to like get a year under their belt and start like becoming like responsible cats and yeah, yeah, understanding the parameters around them and you know teach them that there's scary noises and stuff, but that doesn't mean you run into the fucking street stuff like that. You know exactly, yeah, exactly cat shit all right yeah mm. so let's move on a little bit to sure. just a real quick kind yeah, what of, you were gonna say let's talk about what's going that, on here that black mass that happened uh the other night was it a i think it might have even been a sunday um <laughs> when amy uh coney barrett was uh really quickly <laughs> uh-huh. like it, re- it literally reminded me of when you read history about um i was reading about sophie Scholl. there's a really good movie about her too and the white rose resistance group in belgium okay and uh they were in their late teens and early 20s and the the shocking thing uh when you read about her and also in the film about her life is uh she was found guilty by um the nazis the nazi government there and um G, uh, for, of handing out propaganda it was anti-nazi propaganda okay and then immediately sentenced to death and then they just carry her into the next room where there is set up a little miniature guillotine 
They call it like a Fallberg or something. There's a mm-hmm. name for it in German. And they just hustle her into that thing and chop her head off. Damn. Like that. Um, it's very shocking if you ever look up. I think it's called the White Rose. I don't remember. But if you look up Sophie Scholl, you know. Anyway, the Amy Coney Barrett thing reminded me of like the Black Mass opposite version of that, where it's like you've committed the crime. All right, you, we've got the votes. Okay, let's hustle her out here. It's 10 p.m. at night. Let's. Where the fuck is Clarence Thomas? Wake him up. Get him out here. Okay, yeah. she's going to swear this in. It just seemed like the same kind of like perversion of justice, but uh-huh. in this case, it it was more of like a summoning for something that was obviously just like fucking evil and you know, yeah, uh, backward. Probably a similar amount of bloodshed. I'm gonna guess behind the scenes, somebody fucking totally, you know, yeah. Got, All these things yeah. probably have some court like correlating uh, blood sacrificed thing to come, go along with yeah. it. You know, make sure the gods are appeased or whatever. Mm-hmm. but uh no i mean i didn't i i didn't really wit, uh pay attention to it as far as the, the, the final bit there but yeah i did see the kind of just like the headlines and it was like okay yeah because it was like yeah it seemed like it was a lot of um a lot of stalling a lot of talking about it and like mm-hmm. this like you know just back and forth thing and then and then yeah i was just like oh um, okay that seemed like it resolved itself pretty quickly you know <laughs> it's just like whatever yeah, yeah as it totally seems like couldn't... it was going to yeah um which is funny. I talked to you a little bit about this and I sent you some of the links, but I, you know, I, there was some Vox writer or some dipshit like that. Maybe it was a, someone, it was in the mainstream liberal line or whatever. Yeah. I just did a reply where I was, oh, my yeah. reply on the Twitter thread was just simply saying like, the Democrats could have done literally anything. They could have shut down some sort of funding that the house takes care of. They could have mm-hmm. impeached bar. They could have put impeachment proceedings for, I'm talking about like way back in September, they could have started this, right? Sure, sure. They could have done anything, uh, impeach bar, you know, impeach Kavanaugh, fucking impeach Trump again, anything to just sort of like gum up the works a little bit. Right. Yeah. And, um, and then, you know, anything to make it seem like there was some kind of a opposition party that was at work here because you know if the shoe was on the other foot the republicans would have shut down whatever they could with well, whatever sure. power they had i mean that's the again like the when they go low we go high that's all this like self-aggrandizement yeah. about how good you are when you're in your like yeah decorum. Yeah. and it's like dude no one's playing by those rules though and it's like a no. lie to suggest that you even are ultimately you only yeah. you only say yeah, that you only totally. say that when you're basically copping out you know yeah but, it's the ultimate of cow. It's the ultimate in like moral cowardice. It's the yeah. ultimate in just regular cowardice. Yeah. And so I was just like, you know, or here's, and then I added, you know, uh, don't have fucking Feinstein hug her way through this inquiry <laughs> and be so kind about it. And then don't invite the GOP into Biden's cabinet, into a Biden administration. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. don't offer that you're going to play with them. The d- Republicans never do that with the Democrats. They never feel the need to go. We need to reach across the aisle. Yeah. As soon as they get any ounce of power, it's like fucking dogs in the pantry. They just eat and tear everything up. <laughs> There's no fucking decorum because they know they're going to get kicked out eventually. And then they're going to blame the Democrats for the mess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah. I did that and and I, it attracted the attention of a fucking Georgetown poli sci professor who's like a published author and stuff. And so he tried to argue with me about some things and was being kind of snide. And I I don't think he really understood the degree by which I'm willing to just be sort of like not indecorous and kind of rude to people like that. Totally, especially on Twitter. I mean, fuck. Particularly on Twitter. Yeah. So I, I, I smacked him around pretty hard and <laughs> gave him a good spanking. And I think the um, the ratio reflected that. And he actually yeah. tagged in another professor from Austin. Mm-hmm. To try to sell the Paris Climate Accord to me, which in ten years has done absolutely nothing and was like the literal like 
neoliberal benchmark of just <clears throat> feel good bullshit let's glad hand ourselves while the earth slowly or more quickly and quickly rapidly catches on fire for sure yeah. he literally tried to pull that out and uh i was remorselessly cruel to him as well and he said well you know maybe you shouldn't do this to strangers and or so or people on the left i was like you're not on the left you're a liberal like right. I, I we're not on the same team here and then I, I told him, look, man, here's my job. My job isn't to decorously sort of tell you uh, through the virtue of like fair argument that, mm -hmm. you know, I have a better position and convince you of it because you're not going to be convinced. You, you, <laughs> yeah. You're here I mean, we're just selling the, on the same. Internet. Why the fuck would he listen to you? Right. Like, under he's, you're right. He's still trying to sell <laughs> me the lie that like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Bush v. He's trying to sell me the lie that Bush v. Gore was was decided not by the <laughs> Supreme Court, but by fucking Nader voters. So like right, 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 that's right. a load of horse shit, you know, anyway. And so I said, my job for you is is to uh, make you think that people less polite than me is make you think tomorrow when you're taking a shower, <laughs> spend some time in there doubting. Wondering if maybe people who are significantly less polite than me think that you're completely full of shit. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, anyway, so I dunked on these guys who probably make a lot more money than me and don't really have much to at stake if Biden or Trump wins because they no. probably – their relationship with the working class involves, like, you know, someone cleaning their house, I'm assuming. But uh, Yeah, essentially. So that – all that weirdness happened, and <laughs> it just got me thinking about – brain dead liberals and old shambling corpses ruining the lives of mm -hmm. countless human beings who are even now either children or unborn and i thought well you know what we had better do an episode this week on zombies <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah basically like whether whether undead and kind of like zombie mode right or like mm -hmm. the um endless reanimability reanimate uh, i don't know how you say it, but like mm -hmm. they were constantly reanimating all of the old fuckers to like keep existing mm -hmm. kind of right like this limping along of just like yeah. like you know i'm not like trying to be like anti-old people but it's just like there is like a sense in which i mean just like why would this is like the elder the quote-unquote elders you know like need to like obviously accept a certain amount of like yeah changing of the tide right and like there's this like that would you think that would be a a part of even a traditionalist society that would like it kind of in, in, involve a little bit of that component of like okay now how do we involve the new which i mean is what the, i guess the progressive party tries to ostensibly do pretend it's doing mm -hmm. but but yeah it's like yeah they're just they're we're getting they're just fed adrenochrome to keep keep them mm -hmm. alive and there's it's like these reanimated corpses whatever it or... is we were just kind of lamenting uh different types of uh the the walking dead and the brain dead and then the brain eaters right um, exactly yeah that's a good way to put it in in the political scheme <clears throat> mm -hmm. and uh yeah so <clears throat> not a great week for anybody who 
believes in uh, the legitimacy of high court legislative process, but if you still believe in that at this level of the game, I don't really have a whole lot to tell you. Right. To help you out with, I'm afraid. Yeah, it's more about just watching the play by yeah. play of how it's slowly, slowly uh, deconstructed or whatever. Right, because like Mitch McConnell's almost 80 years old and he looks like shit. I think there's like you know <laughs> he's, he's got on... the zombie hands for sure. <laughs> yeah, it's like blood thinner hands, which oh means that God. he's probably got a heart condition, which means he probably needs some kind of like you know serious intervention, or he's going to die of his whatever yeah. is wrong with him. When I saw that, I like and... I just thought of like a frostbitten hands, you know, like in movies and like they hit something and then just like shatter. It's gonna... Yeah, <laughs> my dad when he came out of the ICU after having had like a heart attack and was on all these blood thinners and shit, his fucking hands and feet look like that. I was really? like, uh, dude, have you been in the morgue? <laughs> yeah, did you kind of die a little bit? <laughs> yeah, where have Jeez. you been? I mean, I visited him in the ICU, so I didn't. Yeah, think no. they wheeled him to the morgue, but damn, yeah, yeah, that's rough, man. <clears throat> yeah, so the idea that somebody like that would be. Um, responsible for uh, legislation that's going to affect people who are like you know children yeah. right now especially when he's like an asshole just like, like a turtle fucking he's just a dick like he he's such like a i don't know like you see him when he smiles and smirks you like can see the thing underneath and you're like oh my god you're an asshole beyond yeah. you know just yeah. his yeah. whatever but yeah aside from that but zombies his glee yeah his glee comes from sucking young blood right yeah definitely um, yeah so, yeah, I thought it'd be a good time to talk about zombies because there's a lot to talk about there. And mm. it, it's a, something certainly something that, like, captured the American imagination for, like, yeah. a really long time. I, I, I mean, yeah, I feel like it hit really hard, too, between the, the early aughts up until not too long ago. You know, it was just kind of, mm. like, drilled. There was, like, a new, a new version of some kind of zombie series or movie, always with a different variation on the theme, right? The fast ones, the slow ones, the why they're right. zombies you know etc yeah and it was definitely something that also like i would say um it 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 raised oh my god i'm sorry my roommates are talking right outside the door and i just <laughs> it's okay i, I, I can't even like, really hear them i mean you can't hear them no all right well this is like three a little over three minutes in on my <clears throat> thing here we might want to do a quick edit here i gotta go be like guys they don't even they, they all right i just I, it's hard for me to concentrate because sure, it's yeah. like i'm hearing i'm trying to talk and then i'm hearing their every single word <laughs> in the other uh give me a second yeah, okay give, yeah, all right. Know. yeah all right fuck all right just keep it rolling and right, just I'm come back to it keep it keep it rolling yeah all right just come on i'm hearing every single word you can keep Should it. I go say something yeah you can keep it Is rolling that... and just go say something and just that way we're still on all time right. Yeah. Right. Hey, guys, I'm sorry. Okay. I think I think I can um all right, so that was about a minute. That was just about like a little quick window edit for a minute. Yeah, I get you can have your work cut out for you. I apologize. No problem. I see it. <laughs> All right, so uh, yeah, so it's a phenomenon that's really um, made itself uh, available uh, to the uh, American imagination. Mm -hmm. um, 
certainly over the last couple decades. Um, but it didn't start then. But I think no. it, I have a theory that it kind of popped off a bit more and more because as uh, polarization among political groups yeah. kind of widened along with like the idea that there was some change in the air, the change, of course, being that life was getting harder and harder for the average person Yeah, in, in America. Suburban and, um, kind of weird dread and yeah, kind of. Yeah, and just the economy was like, right. I mean, the thing about the Bush years was it, it was it was like completely um, defined by, you know, violence, war, and then absolute, complete, like just thievery from the from the top down. Mm -hmm. Like just endless like corruption and grift, just like we are going to suck this husk dry because they knew that. We, the the uh, model of American living wasn't sustainable, so the people at the top were, you know, ironically the ones who were most concerned about losing out, even though they had the most, you know. So they just really, you know, s built the ramparts up and and built these, you know, tax structures and tax cuts, which Obama made permanent. Thanks, Obama, uh, right. to you know pr protect their own interests, and of course that leaves the people in the bottom with nothing which then means that they have to find a way to express that rage and that rage can't go upwards because they're essentially powerless people you'd have to have class solidarity to be angry at the rich mm -hmm. and americans don't have class solidarity so it has to be yeah. directed at each other yeah and the zombie thing is so great because it allows you to fantasize about shooting other human beings and it being okay because these are like brain dead morally terrible human beings Totally. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely, <laughs> like, yeah. Let I me mean, say it's a, like a sublimation of this unreconcilable, weird uh, frustration and resentment and self hatred to some degree. I mean, you can think about even like the movie, what, like the office space or whatever, you know, like even, in, oh, it's not a zombie mm -hmm. movie. Movies that should like depict the zombification of work and draw, like you know all these things like it's all like that shit. That's why I mentioned like suburban because yeah. I feel like there's a very like suburban kind of middle classness to it all too, you know. Yeah. Um, and the weird kind of survivor mentality. Uh, yeah. There's a lot of things that are being worked out. They're like psychological and like symbolic or kind of um almost like archetypal or something like kind of things of like yeah like how do I how do I distribute this like these concepts in my brain to like justify certain things, but mm -hmm. certainly as an outlet, you know? Yeah. Two of the most destructive inventions in history are also two of the greatest, uh, uh hallmarks of American culture. And that would be the automobile and the suburb. <laughs> and, um, both of those things lead to a greater and greater sense of, uh, alienation while yeah. sugar pill coated with the notion of freedom. Yeah, exactly. I'm freer than I ever was, but I'm freer to live in this blind conformity that's slowly killing everything and everyone around me. Mm -hmm. So what do I got to do? I got to get a bunch of AR-15s and fantasize about ventilating the neighbors once they turn into blood-sucking ghouls. Yep. Flesh-eating ghouls, I should say. Excuse me. <laughs> so I wanted to start with uh, the... I'm not going to do a deep dive and go like, oh, let's talk about Carnival of Souls and White Zombie and all these movies that... A nerd would tell you have some kind of relationship with the zombie thing, but I will tell you, I don't care. Um, let's talk about the things that captured the wild, the imagination of Americans with zombies. We got to start, of course, with George Romero's *Night of the Living Dead*. Of course, in, uh, I think it's 1968 or 69, something around there. Yeah. Um, black and white movie, 
one of the most effective horror films ever made. It's the first horror film I remember actually scaring me like really deeply. Mm -hmm. Um, not so subtle nod to race as an issue. Yeah. Um, the, the only survivor of the horrors of the night is a black man who is then maybe mistaken for a zombie by the all white mob or maybe just shot because, you know, right. Right. But he is shot at the end. That's the terrible irony. He's, letting himself out of the farmhouse and someone spies him and takes him out with a deer rifle and then the very end credits just drags him to a heap of I, I hope i should make this clear anytime we talk about movies on the podcast just go watch the movie or don't complain about spoilers <laughs> yeah yeah because <laughs> we we're gonna spoil them anyway um very effective film mm-hmm. and it's it, there's no mention of the word zombie in it no. nor is there any mention of their origins like what starts it there there's some discussion of there might have been some kind of space radiation on a returning lunar module hmm. um mm-hmm. but they don't really have a name for the undead that's zombie yeah right still but, still uh, before it was kind of being defined really explicitly again right. kind of like the thing you talked about before too where in older movies you know where there's a there's a subtext that's not necessarily made so explicit as it may be nowadays, you know? Yeah, exactly. Anyway, so this spawned a series of sequels, um, the greatest of which is probably the next one after it, uh, Dawn of the Dead, um, which is a pretty deeply layered thing. Uh, we get the great black actor, Ken Foray. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm mentioning the race in this because um, it was notable that the protagonist in Night of the Living Dead was a black man, which was very rare at the time for movies. Right. Um, and then to not only continue that in, in Dawn of the Dead, but to have him as like a fully fleshed character mm-hmm. um, and somebody who like has a lot of emotional depth to him, even more so than the character of Ben in the previous film, I thought was like really a good work on Romero's part and, and excellent acting by Ken Faree. Mm-hmm. But it starts off with, all right, again, the zombies don't have any origin that we're aware of, but we see our first connection to the West Indies to Vudom because we have uh, it begins with a storming of a tenement where uh, mostly uh, immigrant people who are like uh, Latin and um, Afro-Caribbean are storing their their dead mm. and not turning them over to the police like they've been ordered to okay and this becomes this terrible shit show where like uh, there's racist cops in it one of the racist cops immediately gets fucking fucked up by like <laughs> I think he gets shot and eaten or something <laughs> But uh, it becomes this ter- terrifying thing because all of a sudden the relatives, the dead ones in the basement, they all start reanimating. Uh-huh. And it's very nightmarish. And so two SWAT cops, they become a friendly. They get to a – they link up and they decide to go to a news station. And with the news helicopter pilot and his pregnant girlfriend, uh, they decide to fly away to look for a safe landing spot. And they end up at a, at a mall. Uh-huh. And they survive in a mall surrounded by zombies for a very long time. And it's very... Have you seen the movie? Uh, not in a long time. Yeah. No. I kind of don't remember it's it. A, I don't remember movies very well. Yeah. But. That's fine. That's... that's that, I actually kind of wish I could have that same issue because then I could watch them again and be like, oh, this is rad. Yeah, no, I have that often. I'm like, I've seen this before, but I, I don't really remember any of this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, um, that's interesting. Yeah, the hold up in a mall. I mean... Mm-hmm. 
dead malls is a thing yeah. now too which is just like an aside and totally weird but like you know there's a whole like a youtube world of that of like going through dead malls and shit you know but right he's half living kind yeah. of weird capitalist you know monstrosities yeah so this is funny because it sort of prefigures that yeah, because totally. it, it's back when the height of mall culture was just beginning right. totally really. peak yeah mall like, culture reached its like, zenith in the 80s right yeah. so exactly just beginning rather yeah picking yeah. up speed and be like whoa this is kind of weird and new and like yeah people i mean it's, it's like it's like an atrium there's like i mean early malls are like you know there's a place to hang out right like i never was close enough to a mall to have that kind of a childhood or anything like that but going uh-huh. to the mall is like super special i would go to the video game store or whatever but but I, but even by that point you know like late 90s or whatever it wasn't fucking pinnacle malls or anything like that where it's like all these like all the plants and shit and the skylights you know like there's just like a really elaborate kind of almost like a like world expo style shit going on you know yeah it definitely had a sense of um uh it, it, extravaganza like there's Absolutely. something happening here but mixed you with know, like an 80s gala. an 80s kind of um just like you know you know, I don't know, just like that weird '80s kind of um, yeah, scumminess or something. You know, it's like because it's like uh-huh. trying to be sophisticated, but it's not. It's like gaudy and weird. You know. Yeah, it's definitely um analog and lo-fi for sure. But uh, it 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 was something that, I mean, I have memories of it as a child of the '80s. Uh, in in this particular Dawn of the Dead film, um, there is like the really not so subtle zombies wandering through shopping mall you know yeah like yeah totally the, the uh critique of commercialization yeah of course if you were to remake it nowadays it would just be the complete urban decay of of these useless institutions that are now just like gutted by the market forces of extractive capitalism right you know yeah yeah and and so what you have is uh just empty holes with like baying ghouls wandering around and their husks <laughs> Yeah. Um, but so we have a closer tie to the West Indies again because Ken Faree's character mm-hmm. says, uh, "There's no more room in hell." And the pilot's like, "What are you talking about?" And he says, "My granddaddy, he was Makumba, Voodoo, mm. from Trin- Voodoo priest from Trinidad." And he said, "When there's no more room from hell, the dead will. Wa- when there's no more room in hell, the dead will walk the earth." Which okay. Became like Interesting. the tagline for the movie. Yeah, that's yeah. a good one, right? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And, and again, it's the first introduction we see. Uh, they don't talk about zombies again. They don't use that word. But it's the first introduction we see of there being a link between the two, the the undead and this idea of zombies, which is very much something from the uh, Haitian uh, voodoo world. And so. Mm-hmm. I was going to get to talking about that in a bit, but I wanted to just briefly mention the, the last of the original sort of trilogy of the Dawn of the Night of the Living Dead series, which is Day of the Dead. Mm-hmm. Um, in some ways, the darkest and starkest, in other ways, kind of the campiest and dumbest, but I still really like right, it. Right, right. Um, mostly filmed in South Florida, from what I understand, <laughs> and... Uh, the survivors are all living on this little military island or uh, just outpost, like surrounded by fencing. Uh-huh. And again, you end up having the major majority of the struggle being internal rather than external because there's these very super rapey kind of dipshit be real 
uh-huh it, yeah because how do you um, deal with these people this this new community of like people right right and and these people are all like fucking gi joe losers like they're bad totally mercenaries they're like, and shit yeah. they're bad looking yeah soldiers and, yeah and they're whole and and there's a scientist and the scientist is trying to study the dead thinking that maybe he can turn them around mm. and he can um he can get them to behave. Yeah. You know, there's uh -huh. that glimmer of hope. And he's got this subject named Bub that he's trying to train <laughs> how to, like, do things. It's, it's got a total campy quality to it, but it's also very visceral because it's arguably the most disgusting in terms of effects of all the yeah. three. Uh -huh. And it's also very uh, terrifying because it's filmed in a... It, all of his films are filmed around Pittsburgh, usually, okay. uh, Romero. Mm -hmm. And this is filmed in an old mine that has been used for cold storage. Whoa. So like people or just just general like data storage. So the mine's no longer. It's, I think it's a coal mine or something. The mine's no longer in operation. So now it's like just paved, and people would just drive in. Like oh, here's all the file storage for you know this Kinkos or something. This company, this corporation. They just store it down there. Mm -hmm. And so he filmed it down there because it's a good set on a budget. But it's it's super creepy, and um, the subterranean feeling gives you the sense of like. Humanity really is just hiding in this recess because the dead have taken over the earth. Which is an interesting idea too in that in that kind of um the cyclical, almost like implied cyclical kind of idea there where it's like uh humanity like almost like we buried too many bodies or there's too many people in hell or, you know, below the earth and then they started like piling up and they came up and like, you know, extruded out of the earth and then were like reanimated themselves and then they kill the humans who are remaining there. And then we get pushed under, or like kill or push underground, and then we have to come back up and kill them eventually. Or you know, there's like a kind of weird, uh, like what are the, there's like roam the earth, um, you know. I guess that's always like a thing I wonder about in the, or that is always kind of like an anticlimactic and dumb, but also I, I don't know, like but I, like a lot of like the new zombie things play on upon this, where there's just like people hiding, you know, mm -hmm. and it's all of their interpersonal conflicts, and then the world is yeah. just like strangely just kind of like existing with just zombies just roaming around kind of right like yeah. npcs yeah. or something right it's kind of like mm -hmm. like is there that is that the metaphor you know because like, again it's like this consumerist maybe idea that like yeah and the doctor is going to come and um you know help people whether kind of doctor you know and it take it and it's kind of more metaphysical yeah. meta, uh, metaphorical kind of understanding or like you know archetypal archetypal kind of person someone who's going to like change the course and help people and uh, we'll see mm -hmm. the better way or something will break out of this like zombification but uh yeah i don't know that's that's interesting it's interesting how that's like starts there and kind of like you see the development of the narrative too just mm -hmm. within the past decades like you're saying mm -hmm. and this is un unquestionably the most chthonic too of all of them it has that real hellenic underworld uh -huh. like darkness where there's literally <laughs> you know you do feel like you're living in sort of like some sort of Greek tragedy uh, in the mm -hmm. underworld, surrounded by the shades of the dead. Mm -hmm. And um, the dead actually invade the underworld in one scene, and then the living have to crawl up through this, like, uh, silo to get out. So there's a lot of really Freudian imagery there. <laughs> They're birthed out, yeah, you know, right, the totally, death. totally. <clears throat> to get into the whirly bird that there's a jamaican man in it who calls it the great big whirly bird he's the pilot in this one um so there is also again an island vibe but it's not <laughs> as directly tied to uh Voodon or anything uh -huh, uh -huh. um 
So I'm going to take a quick moment, and uh, before we go further into the American obsession with the undead, and the most importantly, the American obsession with wanting to murder your neighbor and get away with it. Yeah. The great scene from the Simpsons Halloween episode where um, Flanders is a zombie, and he comes up to Homer, and he's like, uh, say, Homer, I'm feeling a mite bit uh, peckish. You mind if I nibble on your noodle? <laughs> and... Uh, or his head, or something. I don't know what he says. And so Homer just blasts him in the head face, right? <laughs> and Bart's like, Homer, you killed the zombie Flanders. And Homer's like, he was a zombie? Um, yeah, exactly. That is, Good point. Yeah, that's exactly what it's about. Yep. That's the, that is. Yep. That's, it's, I've been wanting to shoot Flanders in the head for a long time now. <laughs> he finally just pissed me off, and I did it. Yeah, right. Um, so... Before we go into that, though, I wanted to bring up a book that is a controversial book, not as controversial as like Carlos Castaneda or stuff like that, mm-hmm. but um, and it's not a product of the 70s, which helps too. It's the very <laughs> early 80s, so I feel like we're just getting out of that kind of interesting new age stuff. But um, it's a book by the author Wade Davis that made a big splash at the time. It's called The Serpent and the Rainbow, mm-hmm. and um, what the author does is uh, he's He's a Harvard postgrad, and his whole deal is he's trying to discover the um, drugs that cause this phenomenon called zombification in Haitian culture. Right, right. He becomes interested early on. In the pharmacological elements of it. Right. Yeah. Um, I'll give you a quick read into what got him interested in this. Uh, In the spring of 1962, this is from the book, a Haitian peasant aged about 40 approached the emergency entrance of the Albert Schweitzer Hospital. He was admitted under the name of Clervius Narcisse at 9.45 p.m. on April 30th, complaining of fever, body ache, and general malaise. He had also begun to spit blood. His condition deteriorated rapidly, and at 1.15 p.m. on May 2nd, he was pronounced dead by two attendant physicians, one of them an American. Now, he brings that up. There is in this sort of like that implicit sort of racial bias like one of them was an american so they knew what they were talking about yeah yeah, right (laughs) it's a product of its era so you have to read it through that lens Mm -hmm. his sister angelina narcisse was present at his bedside and immediately notified the family shortly after narcisse's demise an elder sister marie claire arrived and witnessed the body affixing her thumbprint to the official death certificate the body was placed in cold storage for 20 hours and then taken for burial at 10 a.m., May 3rd, 1962, Clervius Narcisse was buried in a small cemetery north of the village of Lostere, and 10 days later, a heavy concrete memorial slab was placed over the grave by his family. In 1980, 18 years after, a man walked into the Lostere marketplace and approached Angelina Narcisse. He introduced himself by a boyhood nickname of the deceased brother, a name that only intimate family members knew and that had not been used since the siblings were children. The man claimed to be Clervius and stated that he had been made a zombie by his brother because of a land dispute. In Haiti, the official Napoleonic Code states that land must be divided among male offspring. According to Narcisse, he had refused to sell off his part of the inheritance, and his brother had, in a fit of anger, contracted out his zombification. Immediately following his resurrection from the grave, he was beaten and bound and then led away by a team of men to the north of the country where, for two years, he worked as a slave with other zombies. Eventually, the zombie master was killed and the zombies, free from whatever force kept them bound to him, dispersed. Narcisse spent the next 16 years wandering about the country, 
fearful of his vengeful brother. He was, it was only after hearing of his brother's death that he dared to return to the village. The Narcisse case generated considerable publicity within Haiti and drew the attention of the BBC, which arrived in 1981 to film a short documentary based on the story. Yeah, that sounds I, that sounds kind of familiar. I feel like I've I've uh, heard about the story in some capacity. Right. So what Wade did was Wade heard about this, mm-hmm. and he was somebody who studied uh, sort of like ethnographic uses of eth- of uh, plants in various um, world ceremonies. So he wanted to discover what it was that he believed that there was a plant concoction a poison combination that caused this zombification. And so it had to fulfill a few different qualifications to be considered the right stuff. Um, It it had to sicken the person. It had to then make it appear as though the person had in fact died, but not killed them, put them in a semi-vegetative state. Mm -hmm. And then it had to, after they were pulled from the grave it had to um provide some kind of chemical indemnity some kind of either addiction or some kind of quasi uh what would you call trance-like state to keep them tied up in uh bondage gotcha Uh uh-huh so there is a group of wealthy men who are kind of shadowy in this book who pay Wade to figure out what this drug is. Right. We can guess, we don't need to read too much into that, but we can go ahead and guess that they probably have ties to people like, you know, Jeffrey Epstein and shit like that. <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, well, I mean, uh, this is reminding me of something. I didn't even think about this before we had talked about any of this, but, um, mm-hmm. I had downloaded this old PDF kind of journal from this, um, the Wellcom, Wellcom and Co., which was like an early pharmaceutical mm-hmm. company. I think they're actually the first. Yeah. It was called actually Burroughs Wellcom and Co. I think the original. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, they're the first to like make like the pill form of you know uh, a lot of medicines. And there's a little thing in their journal, this thing where they're it's a weird little. Uh, it's called the Evolution of Journalism, etc. And it has this uh, little explanation about how they got some of their drugs. And it's one of those situations, very much so, like that, where they are like they're kind of bragging about it basically in terms of just like, well, yeah, we, there's these poison arrows that we you know, these tribes in New Guinea had and, uh, they were poisoned with a, a strophanthus plant, mm-hmm. um, the seeds from that. And, uh, and then they figured out basically how to use that as a form of medicine for like heart blood pressure and diabetes and stuff like that. Uh, yeah, but basically it describes how they went there and kind of just like procured all the arrows that were possible, you know, is all this basically just like took all the shit they could get um, and came back and just tried to like, you know, figure it out and reverse engineer it and uh, mm-hmm. make a dime on it, obviously. But but yeah, very, yeah. yeah, very colonialist mindset, obviously, in terms of like, how do we just like take this shit and uh, use it in some other way? But yeah, so that's that's exactly what Wade Davis is doing here. Mm-hmm. And and what he can do then too is when he g- looks at different plant plants and plant toxins, <laughs> he can say, well, are these native to Haiti and if not, where did they come from? Mm-hmm. And what was their relationship? One of the early ones that he lands on is Datura. Okay. Um and he says the sorcerers among the Yaqui Indians in northern Mexico would anoint their genitals, legs and feet with a salve based on crushed Datura leaves Whoa. and thus experience the sensation of flight. 
however, it was felt that quite possibly the Yaqui had acquired this practice from the Spaniards. For throughout medieval Europe, witches commonly rubbed their bodies with hallucinogenic ointments made from belladonna, mandrake, and henbane, all relatives of Datura. Uh -huh. In fact, much of the behavior associated with the witches is as read readily attributable to these drugs as to any spiritual communion with the diabolic. A particularly efficient means of self-administering the drug for women is through the moist tissues of the vagina. The witch's broomstick or staff was considered a most effective application. <laughs> Our own popular image of the haggard woman on a broomstick comes from the medieval belief that witches rode their staffs each midnight to the Sabbath, an orgiastic assembly of demons and sorcerers. In fact, it now appears that their journey was not through space, but across the hallucinatory landscape of their minds. Hmm. All right, so y you can see why this might be a book that would raise a few eyebrows among some of his peers in Harvard. <laughs> yeah. Um, I do think it's something worth reading. I want to return to it, actually, in a later episode, because I want to talk about the meaning, the double helix meaning of the title, The Serpent and the Rainbow. Uh -huh. I want to talk about the difference between... Um, Santeria, Voodoo, and uh, Catholicism, and where their intersections are and where their departures are. Uh -huh. But I feel like we would kind of overload this episode if we tried to do that. Yeah, there's a lot there. I mean, that's already like given me like yeah. several ideas and things that I could yeah reference for that. But 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 yeah, nonetheless. Um, and so yeah, so he's kind of setting like the the real I don't know kind of a bridge in terms of like you know this anthropological. Um, and create making a scientific uh, methodology or at least a blueprint of some degree um, for for zombification, right? Or an idea of it or something mm -hmm. like that, right? I guess. Yeah, exactly. And and so what I wanted to do was share one last thing from this book to talk about a real early precursor to the zombie ritual. Mm in haiti which we already have kind of outlined lightly sort of the you, ritual to it like one a has year to understand idea or what's that do you, you said when you say earlier do you have like a, a general year idea or oh yeah it's it's goes back to the transatlantic slave trade okay mm -hmm. it goes back to the early days of that it goes all the way back to the its origins in west africa okay yeah yeah um <clears throat> so but so we've already i want to just real quickly say uh in in haiti at the time that wade davis was there there was a second generation dictator, Baby Doc Duvalier, who would rule over the people with the mixture of violent repression and then uh, religious fear. Hmm. He had his his sort of like SS group, his uh, you know mm -hmm. secret police, his Gestapo, I should say, mm -hmm. um, had a religious name that was related to a boogeyman who would snatch people and put them in gunny sacks <laughs> in Haitian mythology. And he had supposedly a voodoo priest who would do evil things to people. So people were ruled by that fear. Uh -huh. and, and that history goes back to the Niger River and uh, the Afika the people of uh, an area called Old Calabar. And uh -huh. so here is a quick reading of um, a secret society amongst the Afika people called the Egbo. And it was a male hierarchical association consisting of several ranks, each of which had a distinctive costume. Um, and so, under a secret council of community elders that constituted the supreme judicial authority, the Leopard Society, which is one of the different societies amongst the Egbo, uh -huh. 
promulgated and enforced laws, judged important cases, recovered debts, and, and protected the property of its members. It enforced its laws with a broad range of sanctions. It could in impose fines, prevent an individual from trading, impound property, and arrest, detain, or incarcerate offenders. Serious cases resulted in execution by either decapitation or fatal mutilation. The victim was tied to a tree with his lower jaw sliced off. Whoa. Right. So here is the part where we get to... And I'm reading a lot from the book here, but I do think this is all actually quite interesting, and I think our, yeah. our listeners might find it pretty interesting. I know you do. <laughs> um, I assume you do. Yeah, it sounds definitely. like you do. But um, so the tribunal of the secrets, I'm, I'm going to read a little bit more. And this is sort of where I'm talking about the proto zombification thing. We talked mm -hmm. about it earlier as a form of like, you know, uh, death and then indemnification through chemical uh, um, bondage mm -hmm. to um, to uh, this powerful zombie master. Right. Well, here's a whole secret society tribunal sitting over this similar thing and uh, it determined guilt or innocence by a judgment of a most singular form. The accused was made to drink a toxic potion made from eight seeds of the calabar bean, ground and mixed in water. Hmm. In such a dose, <clears throat> uh, the phystostigmine acts as a powerful sedative of the spinal cord and causes progressively ascending paralysis from the feet to the waist. Whoa an eventual collapse of all muscular control, leading to death by asphyxiation. The defendant, after swallowing the poison, was ordered to stand still before a judicial gathering until the effects of the poison became noticeable. Then he was ordered to walk toward a line on the ground ten feet away. If the accused was lucky enough to vomit and regurgitate the poison, he was judged innocent and allowed to depart unharmed. Mm. If he did not vomit, yet managed to reach the line... He was also deemed innocent and quickly given a concoction of excrement mm. mixed with water, which had been used to wash the external genitalia of a female. So basically, woman's bath water mixed with shit. Uh -huh. Most often, however, given the toxicity of the calabar bean, the accused died a grisly death. The body was racked with terrible convulsions, mucus flowed from the nose, the mouth shook horribly. If a person died from the ordeal, the executioner gouged out his eyes and cast the naked body into the forest. Wow. So <laughs> that is the assumption of where the origins, at least according to Wade Davis, I'd like to read more, um, uh, let's say, native non-colonial voices on this matter. But for now, right. that's what I have. Yeah. Um, of the origin of the... Uh, <clears throat> zombie ritual in Haiti or before it became syncretic with the Catholic church and Catholicism sure. and some of their characters. Well, I mean, putting it in those terms, is just scary to me too. Is like, you know, the idea of fetishism in like religious kind of a context. It's like the way yeah. that it's like a, the way that we've Westernized it is like our, our own fetishizing of it. Right. It's a, mm -hmm. it's a create, like it, it's we're kind of changing it from what it probably is, you know, originally and for those people who participate in it already. And then we're seeing it and then going in there and kind of like, you know, witnessing it, right. As anthropologists or writers or researchers or something, you know, yeah, kind of trying to be a participant, but you know, it's like, it's like a fucking, it's like the double slit experiments or something, you know, like just like your presence there is going to fuck with the, with the, uh, you know, the, the, uh, the results, you know, so to speak. So it's like, 
you know, and then whether that be through your perspective or just your presence. And so, yeah, like you're saying, but it's kind of, um, it has to be investigated almost through the lat lens because it is like a Western fetishism about what this is. And then it gets turned into, you know, what our narratives are and what blends with that. Like you say, like the, the neighbor, you know, I mean, I'm not, not to say like these like are uniquely what Western or anything like that, but, or, you, know, you know, but but yeah, there's, they, they take on a certain flavor, right? And they take on, like, again, like the suburban thing or something like these are like uniquely to some degree American things that you can then find a, a way to channel these kind of a more fundamental or more underlying kind of uh, ideas about fear and fear of the undead, fear of dying, mm-hmm. these kinds of things, you know. Fear of, fear of bondage that lasts through and after death right. into the afterlife. Totally, totally. I mean, imagine being a slave in hell. <laughs> yeah. Which, by the way, I think would not be hard for somebody to imagine who came from a colonial or enslaved background. Yeah. No. You know, true. If the if the if the if the things that are really active in your imagination the most are um, Catholic religion and slavery, mm-hmm. as as would be the things in Haiti. So much so that, you know, the Haitian Revolution, which is something that I think everyone should study and is, I've just been into it over the last summer. I learned a lot more about it than I ever knew before. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> we are still punishing Haiti for that. Yeah, right. You know, I know, basically. Um, I look, look, up, look up the Clinton Foundation. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I was just thinking, yeah. Um, and then I saw but, Kanye's uh, trying to do something about it now. It's just like, it's just, I don't know. I mean, I can only imagine it's the same hands that are involved with Kanye trying to do it. Honestly, I mean, I can't, I'm, yeah. I don't know. Kanye, that, that's a whole other fucking topic. But something that was kind of coming up on my my idea about this kind of like this topic in general too is the idea of the mummy, you know, just kind of, um, again, it speaks to a, a oriental or exoticism of the East. Um, but it's also like this reanimated corpse idea. You know, or that, yeah. you know, we, we assume that that's why the mummies did what they did, right? That that's because they wanted to come back or they wanted to be immortal. You know, these kinds of like the story that we're... Or, that it's, we, the, or it's the process from a curse where there's transgression that's had. Totally, happened. totally, totally. Modern transgression, yeah. When you've, yeah, if you, if you prematurely <clears throat> uh, open the tomb or, yeah, or sully it or whatever, you know, similar to kind of what we talked about before, you know, being the dirtiness quote unquote of the person who's a grave robber or has to work in the grave or, you know, something like that has to have proximity yeah. to this, you know, the undead and the dying and these kinds of things that people would rather not talk about kind of thing. Uh, yeah. Call back to our Gnostic episode. Right. And so, but yeah, so the mummy, I feel like it's just a similar, maybe an earlier, not even earlier, but uh, a different version of that similar Western projection and idea, you know, or some degree about like this thing coming back to life. It's usually kind of like, it doesn't have a whole lot of yeah. a, you know, it's not super threatening, but it's somehow it's really scary. Especially I'm thinking like, you know, early, early mummy movies or something like that. And, yeah. uh, and also, but then it's like about that kind of crave of, you know, the mummies and, uh, Egyptian culture and first like Freemasonry and just kind of the symbolism mm-hmm. that comes with a lot of that stuff. So there's, I feel like the, uh, this is all like the you know the the voodoo and the zombie kind of stuff is is more like oh wait like we we learned about that more recently in our in our history and so that's becoming like a kind of more fresh uh, avenue through which to express these ideas that you know we've had different kind of uh, different mythological structures or different traditions or cultures that we can like borrow from and be like oh wait let's uh, be and syncretically uh, incorporate that and your gods and avatars into our gods and avatars just like Rome has always done. 
you know, as like being a continuation of the Roman Empire or something, right? So it's just kind of like this, yeah. it's the same process. And to associate it, associate it with power and a death curse that then escaped. Exactly, too. totally, totally, totally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, so um, I wanted to move along a little bit back to American culture yeah. because that's sort of what we're inescapably steeped in. Mm-hmm. And uh, before we went on, and we go on to the aughts where the zombies take their most um, modern uh, and powerful and fascistic uh, interpretation. I wanted to just make a pit stop real quick in the 1980s and bring up two B-movies that have two different types of explanations for uh, zombies and also bring up uh, two kind of classic elements. The first one is uh, the often forgotten but should not be Night of the Comet. Um, about some valley girls who happen to survive this comet <laughs> cruising over LA that turns a bunch of people into shithead zombies. Oh, yeah, that's great. Imagine sort of like Repo Man, you know, mixed with like uh, um, uh, Fast Times at Ridgemont High or something. And that's sort of what you get, but at least we have an explanation of why the dead are returning. We actually have something solid now, finally, whereas we just had a lot of conjecture from the uh, Romero films. Um, and then there's Return of the Living Dead, which is not associated with the Romero films, but I think came out of a lawsuit around ownership. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in that one, it's uh, the 80s were really good at having a lot of um, don't trust the military kind of things, mildly subversive stuff. So there's some sort of like military gas that's being stored that turns people into the zombies. And and Return of the Living Dead is funny. It's kind of stupid. It's a gross-out film, but it's also responsible for one of the most iconic aspects of zombie films that we associate with zombies, but really only occurs in this movie series, which is zombies going, brains, brains, (laughs) and eating, wanting to eat brains, right? This is where that comes from. Okay. And this this is... uh, And it's fun. I think some of the zombies have mohawks, and they look like badasses, and they got... And it's, you know, it's like a bunch of, it's an attitude era kind of film. Yeah, right. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's Billy Badass fighting the zombies. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so let's take it to a more modern approach. And I want to come to the next really big phenomenon for the zombie world. Um, there were two big ones in the aughts, but we'll start with, uh, I don't really remember which came first and I'm too lazy to look it up, but I'm just going to start mm-hmm. with the one that I first became aware of, which is uh, <clears throat> Mel Brooks. And Anne Bancroft's son, Max Brooks, wrote uh, the Guide to Zombie Survival, the Survivor's Guide to Zombie. Okay, yeah. It's kind of like... I remember that. And it took off. Totally. He took off, and then he novelized it into something called World War Z. Okay, yeah. Oh, we, oh I didn't realize those were connected. Interesting. To me, yeah. this, how old were you when that came out, when the first thing came out? The The Guide. I was in my very early 20s because okay. my girlfriend at the time in New York, her mom got it for me as a book because she's like, you like horror stuff. Uh-huh. I've heard that this is a bestseller. Uh-huh. And and I actually enjoyed it. It was a toilet book. Nice. Exactly. I mean, that was it's, the time. Yeah. Of, yeah that was a, a time. That's like a, you know, that would be, I would just some, maybe some people like classify that kind of stuff as like a hipster book. So like, I don't know, there's like a certain, like, like a toilet book is a way to think about it really. But it's like, there's like a good and bad genre versions of that, I think. In my, you know, but uh but you know that yeah, was like that was, was when there were some good books. ones I think and like that really kind of qualifies when it's like yeah this is of course kind of dumb but like you know um, because I remember yeah so I must have been a little bit younger because to me that was like a, it, it was kind of an association between that and kind of like I don't know gothy kind of like 
hot topic mm-hmm. kind of Marilyn Manson aesthetic or something. Oh, total hot topic thing. Yeah. 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 You could see that being like one of the few books they would sell on hot topic. For sure. Okay. Yeah. 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 So, uh, okay. I did a little something for the, um, for the audience in the podcast and I listened to the, uh, entire, um, audio recording over the last few days of world war Z. Oh, wow. The sort of fleshing out of this and it has an ensemble cast. I, I think this must have something to do with Max Brooks having like an obvious Hollywood connection being mm-hmm. the son of, you know, Mel? like legends. Is he son- Mel and, and don't forget Anne Bancroft. Okay. I mean, the mom from the graduate, okay. like who right, could, of course. may she rest in peace. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, I mean, he's royalty, you know, he's the, yeah. he's the child of royalty. So, I mean, this, this fucking audiobook had characters that were read by all Alan Alda, Martin Scorsese, mm-hmm. um, Henry Rollins. I mean, <laughs> common, the rapper common. I mean, there was a bunch of like kind of big names on this thing. I, I found it actually, I actually found it pretty enjoyable cool. for what it cool. was. Um, you know, it's pulpy. Yeah garbage but it was not it was good pulpy garbage it was enjoyable pulpy garbage i i didn't was it like a radio it. play kind of like, like i a... would i would compare it to that so you what you have is this it's talking about a worldwide phenomenon that starts in um china and it, yes it, it's like a radio play in the sense mm-hmm. that there's a guy who has going around the narrator who is the author max brooks mm-hmm. he's been collecting the stories of people from around the world oh, to talk cool. about what happened during world war z which uh-huh. is the the time that the it's zombies like an old almost computer game uh, style idea <laughs> yeah, yeah totally it also reminds me of like an orson wells you for know, sure uh yeah kind of what war of the world's kind of right. thing, hd wells thing. yeah I, so it, it had that quality to it it didn't have the sound effects obviously because <laughs> it was all after it was told after the fact okay. you know okay. it wasn't while yeah it was an after the fact kind of thing it was a reminiscence for the for us for the point of posterity to remember mm-hmm. you know for the survivors um and it also it's kind of timely because it starts there's a definite there's a real reason there's a solid reason for why this starts it's a virus in china uh-huh, uh-huh. <clears throat> in this case it's because people are doing something called moon diving which is diving into uh, a dam what? a dammed area that had been flooded and uh it had, it had flooded when they'd flooded to make the dam there had been a bunch of villages down there that had been left behind so people would dive down to go try to you know steal stuff from there Anyway, they it so moon diving. Yeah, that was the term that they used in it. Moon Interesting. diving. Interesting. Like I might, stealing. Cons- it's archaeologically stealing. Is that what they call that? Is that like a general term? I don't know. It's what they call it in the book. I haven't looked it That's up. Interesting. Yet. I, I'm going to look that up. But but I mean, I, I we should it, look it, it up. It makes my my yeah. my conspiratorial paranoid ears perk up just for like uh, the idea that like China is the first one that landed on the dark side of the moon. You know, mm-hmm. kind of a kind yeah, of a kind weird of a thing. thing there. I don't know. But anyway, yeah, it's got some, yeah. So anyway, so what happens is I think that they're just using it as like night diving. You know, I get what, what I mean? you're saying. Like, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, what are you doing diving at night? Sure, you know? clearly well, some shady stealing artifacts. Anyway, so there's sub, there's um underwater zombies. Oh, subaquatic zombies Weird. who bite some people. That's fuck. That's actually you know, way limit. scarier. That's more scary ter- than terrestrial based zombies. Oh, it's super fucking terrifying. <laughs> and that comes into play, too, because there's whole herds of them walking across the bottom of the ocean, which <laughs> I don't even want to get into that. That's later. But anyway, so it starts there. And, of course, the Chinese government tries to suppress it. Kind of familiar Interesting. story there. Yeah. Um, uh, anyway, and then you just go to different parts around the world. Israel immediately just starts walling up itself, mm-hmm. just putting a wall around itself. When 
they sort of get an early intimation of something weird is happening because a lot of the countries are trying to downplay it. You know, uh-huh. eh, it's not that big a deal. It is. It, that's the best part that, that he does about it is sort of like, you know, presciently because this is written like, you know, 15 years ago or okay. something sort of like show you what how people would react during a pandemic. And there's a lot about it that's like pretty similar to what we're going through right now, where it's yeah. like um, not a lot of information sharing. There are some countries that really have it together. Some countries that are just like totally shitting the fucking bed. Like, you know, yeah. we are currently like all the, all the information uh, seems to be uh, like poison arrowed or at least weaponized or something, you know, it's all totally. It's all like, yeah. But for sure. There's a lot of shit like yeah. that. I mean, I, I've been d- just deep diving into like, you know, the sink and like conspiratorial precog kind of shit. And there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff that speaks to this as like a a coming soonly coming event, right, or something coming in the future. Um, but that's right. but that's yeah. This is yeah, and a discussion of it's interesting because like you know, obviously hindsight is twenty twenty. So yeah. you can if you go scrying into the past, knowing about the present. Um, you're always going to have confirmation bias, yes. so you have to be really careful about Absolutely. that. But if you do look backwards for like people's tweets about pandemics and stuff, even like Joe Biden last y- year was tweeting about how we're not prepared for a pandemic response. <laughs> yeah, right. Just and it's just like just put well, it out there. That zombie. Well, I'm, can just saying, that out. Yeah. I'm just saying. Just saying. Just <laughs> saying. Listen, it, it, yeah, right. It would be like, you know, and I, I just tend to chalk that up to well, yeah, we clearly aren't, and <laughs> yeah. that would be something worth making an effective criticism of the Trump people with, because uh, I think one thing that I've read is that we had been long overdue for a pandemic when this hit. Yeah. But I mean, that's, even um, that's like, I don't know what that, what that, what does that mean? <laughs> but, but yeah, I yeah, know. I no, get what what does saying. that I mean? mean? Yeah. I don't know. There's things coming tied well, and it's like things that, you know, celestial, whatever it may be. But yeah. Again, like don't, don't mistake me for either buying the, the general no, line get, or I, also yeah. not, I'm merely reporting what I do, <laughs> but let me tell you with World War Z, I, I will say there's a lot of kind of eyebrow raising things. There's a few things where they, it didn't age very well, uh-huh. but overall I found it enjoyable Nice, uh-huh. and I found it to be, um, obviously the, the mechanics of it, the physics of it still are unsatisfactory because it's like, you just can't get around the fact that these are reanimated corpses. Like, yeah. Okay, so it's a virus. That's no more satisfying a, an explanation than toxic ooze or gas or mm-hmm. fucking moon radiation. Because at the end of the day, it's still a dead life form that is somehow being propelled forward. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. With and and also they explain very. Uh, he explains very um, explicitly that even though it feasts on the living, it doesn't consume the flesh in any meaningful Meagle way. way right? From nutrition. I, yeah. No. It just something just occurred to me. Like. It's kind of like the zombies have the secret to free energy or something, right? Yeah. They they don't have to go through the cycles of sleep yeah. and wake, eat no. shit, you know, or whatever. You know, like they don't have to do it. They just they just thrive. <laughs> and they're not quite living and not quite dead. So in, yeah. in a sense, they're just an analog for a virus itself, which True. is not really a biological thing. A virus is something that exists outside of a biological entity. Mm-hmm. We don't really understand how you classify a virus. It's not really quite a living thing. It reproduces through like the most horrifying thing you can imagine, which is getting into a living host. You yeah, know? right. Totally. Yeah. I mean, something yeah. I've been thinking more about, and not even to be like heretical again, like I've said, I think before, but like the soul as just a kind of a prototypical almost idea about that. Cause I think I've, I think Nietzsche or somebody's got like a quote about that. Like, 
that the soul is more like an oppressive shackle than the body because it like just maintains forever you know it's like this it's like a virus it's like hijacked you you but i mean that's like with the conflation right because you're like you're that's where you have to make your your point of a reference like am i my own soul or not or something you know that's lose your brain i guess but Mm -hmm. but it's like this thing is like taken over and is like just gonna live forever you know again with this like kind of like free energy of the zombie like there's it doesn't die unless the the, its head gets blown off i mean which again doesn't really make Mm -hmm. a lot of sense in either you know mechanically like why is the brain still the main thing you think that maybe the heart or something otherwise would be the thing or i don't know but right yeah why is it that you have to like destroy the brain why does that mean anything yeah like why isn't it like in the magician's apprentice when mickey chops up the broomstick and you just get thousands of little broomsticks now sure yeah true true that's i mean that's like, like wouldn't, yeah that's again more, more scary well yeah because think of what would happen if you chopped up a virus you know if you broke apart a infected subject and broke <laughs> and you know aerosol that you would just be spreading the virus more effectively like why doesn't it work like that yeah yeah, yeah. well then that leads me to the last arena where I really want to get to my thesis here. Okay, yeah, um, and I've been teasing it out a little bit, but I want to get to it more explicitly because it exists within the contradiction of the most popular and frankly, most shamblingly boring. <laughs> if you had to have something that ultimately replicates through its narration and narrative and arc, the the movement of a dead, pointless corpse, you would have this, <laughs> and that's The Walking Dead. Yep, right. Yeah. Of course, the title of The Walking Dead is clever because it doesn't refer to zombies. It refers to the people who have to live in the world of the dead. Yeah. Like, why are they? Why are they persisting? What's the point? Yeah. Is it just fear of death that keeps you from going onward? Mm-hmm. Um, world War Z deals with questions of existentialism and suicide in the wake of this, and so does um, <clears throat> The Walking Dead. But The Walking Dead brings it home so much more because, much like Game of Thrones, it took off. And much like Game of Thrones, it didn't have a landing strip. Yeah. It didn't have a place to go. Right. It took off without a narrative ending. The uh, author, Robert Kirkman, who is a, I think he's like my age, if not younger, when he started doing the comic book, The Walking Dead, it was ongoing. It was a huge hit, but it was ongoing hmm. when the TV show came out. Wow. It was, it, so um, it was like a head of where the show would have been i mean like most yeah, most exactly. novelizations are but but it was still going yeah. right much like george R. R. martin's sure, sure. uh song of ice and fire series which he still hasn't finished i don't know if robert kirkman has finished the walking dead frankly i don't fucking care but They're kind of unfinished i think there stories, would have been a time when i but, did but go on yeah yeah i mean you can buy the fucking anthologies at costco now <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly yeah uh so there's a central problem in The Walking Dead. Again, there seems to be some sort of statement about death, mm-hmm. but I think you can be reanimated without getting bitten. So the idea is everybody's infected and the infection takes over when you die. <laughs> okay. However, double jeopardy, if you're bitten by one of the, the corpses, and I don't think they call them zombies in this either. For its credit, World War Z does actually call them zombies. It also calls them ghouls. It also calls them Zack or G's. Hmm. Uh, in this, I, I think they don't think they use the word zombie. Um, if they do, they tease it. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you get bitten by one, you're toast. So you're definitely going to die. Unless you manage to cut the appendage off, I think. So there are rules around it. He did flesh it out a bit more. Interesting, yeah. Um, 
but here's where we get to my problem with the central argument and the central uh-huh. point of this whole fucking thing. So Robert Kirkman has very clearly stated in interviews that he's an atheist. He has also injected into his narrative a sort of atheistic nihilist philosophy, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So I have to ask the question. What the fuck do you do to explain a walking corpse then? If you're going to completely dismiss the notion of the supernatural, if you're going to have characters who are living through what could only be described as a supernatural apocalypse, Mm -hmm. where dead are walking around and consuming the living, but not for sustenance, just to kill them, to grow this ever-broadening undead army that... (laughs) you know, has no reproduction other than through death and mutilation and also doesn't have any human physiological, like, realities that we have, like breathing or feeding or reproducing. Right. That fun stuff. Um, Sleeping. <laughs> if you're going to have this, how can you... And you're going to have characters who, like, I don't believe in God, I don't believe in any of that mumbo-jumbo. Of course, thing. right. How can you be surrounded by reanimated corpses and not have some kind of weird moment of faith and some kind of... If, it doesn't have to be God, but couldn't it be something fucking supernatural? You, you think that... Yeah. If not that, like... Because, I mean, I mean, given that it's a fucking... It's a show on TV now, you know, you're not going right. to have uh, a nuanced understanding of, like, any kind of... Uh, understanding of faith or spirituality really but 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 you would think that there would even be hopefully maybe a going beyond the binary understanding of it being like atheism or or uh spirits or something right like that you could Uh that it wasn't because i mean i guess there's like there's some what's the scientific explanation or something there's that Mm -hmm. there's that route you could go of like and i I don't Mm -hmm. know if the show answered that i mean i never watched it so uh, but it's just kind of like you know. It's just no. I have no plans to. But I mean, it's like I don't know. Again, is it then? Is it it's, then? It's kind of becomes like oh, you can uh, just rely on like well, it's a metaphor or it's a uh, whatever. Uh, but basically, Help, exactly, I'm being eaten by a bunch of metaphors. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, exactly. Because uh, it's yeah, it seems untenable, and it's it. Well, then it seems like an exercise in in. Um, in an expose or like a thought experiment or something almost where you're like just showing the people, right? You're showing how these people go through this experience. And usually it's a exercise in showing how, uh, like you say, I don't know if it's, it's like a working out of characters. It's because like, there's the atheist character. And I like, there's these diatribes. These people go on these little like mm-hmm. things about their beliefs or like you see what their beliefs are by their actions or whatever. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's one of those things. It's it's that's what I hate about so many new shows, man. It's just like it just becomes exercises into which to, to work out some twenty uh, first century like mind stupid like like it's, it's thought of as being a twenty first yeah. century problem, and it is kind of become a twenty first century problem because it becomes so just like so divorced from history because it thinks of itself as divorced from history kind of, and then it, and then it's like this kind of like oh let's just use this as an exercise just to like show these characters, and then it's like. Why does everything have to be like within the comedic form kind of, you know, like, why is it, why can't yeah. we just like, why can't there be, I don't just some more nuance or like, are not just like an exercise and like, yeah, look at this character, look at this character. 
Like this is the fall of this one. Look how dumb and backwards this one is. And it's typically going to be dumb and backwards because they represent the, the tradition or the religious thing. And then there's never like, there's hardly any ever nuance in a lot of them. It's really annoying for sure. As far as just like showing the complicated, like nature of all, the, all of it and just like not projecting backwards our kind of mind you know again like you say 2020 like mind hindsight kind of idea like which sure. constantly projecting backwards these kinds of things which always and especially when it becomes creating a moralistic tale about it that's where mm -hmm. it's like really starts to you know kind of go wrong in my mind or where you can really kind of lose the thread very quickly because of the confirmation bias especially since then yeah well also you know again this is like the laziest form of uh, it's like uh, someone doing a lazy version of the Stanford prison experiment, uh, yeah. but with zombies mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and exactly. you know, why don't we just, why don't we just cat and it's a cash grab too, obviously. Sure. And it's a soap opera as well. Cause you get invested in the characters, but at some point, maybe it's just, I think most people at some point would be like, what is the actual, what are the actual parameters of this world that you're, you have to do world building on some level, yeah, which you yeah. have to explain the world you're living in. And you, I'm sorry, you cannot have an atheistic world or an, or a purely natural world with no sort of supernatural explanation and have the fucking dead rise and walk around. It just doesn't work. Yeah. There has to be some kind of way to square that circle. If you don't ever answer that question, then you are just leading people on the worst kind of Fox chase. Totally. Well, it's like, it's, and yeah, Sorry, go on. Oh, it, I would, um, no, no, I want to hear what you I mean. It, I, it, to me, it's this thing that speaks to, um, it's like, we're giving it up. We're, we, we're giving up the idea of who kind of like sets the boundaries or who creates the, uh, makes the sand pit in which we all get to play kind of like, you don't really question that there's not gonna be an answer for the world building, you know, like the world is as it is, you know, there's no more world building. It's kind of like you accept that it's being built by somebody else or something kind of there's a weird implicit kind right. of acceptance there and submission where you don't make your own yeah. conclusions right there's no ability to draw your own conclusions it just becomes it, like and it's like it's like a postmodern gesture or something quote unquote but it's like totally it's oh because it's like there's no end but it's like no the point of making an end isn't to like isn't uh isn't a reach in terms of like truth per se, I mean, I guess it can be, it's usually presented as such, but it's, I think it's better thought of as being kind of like the finality of the thing. You know, you're just like, it's, mm -hmm. it's like you're presenting it to be done. So then it can actually be evaluated, right? Like there has to be like a degree. It's like making a piece of art or something. You're like, I need to stop at some point and then I can just be like, okay, there it is. And then you don't look at it for a week or don't listen to it for a week or whatever. And then you come back to it mm -hmm. and you're like, Oh, okay. Now I can kind of look at it because I called it quits somewhere. It's done. And I don't have to like yeah. go back and be like, Oh, I'm going to ch change this and fix this or, you know, whatever. It's like, you have to kind of like make a, an end so that then you, it can be like, is this, is this a good story? Is this a story that like, I don't know. It can, it's a cop out in the form of art. And is, it's also a cop out and it's, is this actually saying no, exactly, anything? Exactly. It's a, it's a cop out in the sense of like having a real, moral whatever you want to call it but just like a directionality of the story that makes any kind of real it is not just an exercise of like these are the tropes that exist hi you know exactly so that's what i'm saying so if if you're gonna just be lazy and just say all right here's a playground where we play out a bunch of pop philosophical and political yeah. uh ideologies and show them to you and how these characters would deal with in that structure 
then just admit that that's what it mm-hmm. is. And you know what would be a more interesting and fun version of that? Uh, a reality TV show like Survivor <laughs> where you have three islands and on one island you have a bunch of Marxists. On the other <laughs> one you have a bunch of fucking libertarians. And on the other one you have a bunch of people just picked at random. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And just see which, you know, which ide- island of ideologies, island ideology, Honestly, I yeah. don't know, fucking someone smarter than me come up with a better <laughs> name. But that to me would be more interesting than seeing this fucking endless, uh, just narrative that has no conclusion. And you know, in the back of your head is never going to have a fucking conclusion because yeah. that would require some kind of like, um, sleight of hand or, mm-hmm. or magical trick that is well beyond the fucking capabilities of the creator. Basically, yeah. So what what you need is like you know i would prefer to have something that at least had like intellectual honesty in what it was mm-hmm. like because this is really just a soap opera for goths <laughs> yeah. or which that term means nothing soap opera for people who like spooky shit and yeah. um mix of twilight rather... and fucking wine moms and you know yeah exactly it's just like this demographic thing which again right. it's like it becomes a demographic thing it's like the gamification of it all or like there's just like this overlapping venn diagrams and you can just kind of like make it all and quantify it all very very easily you know right even somebody as annoying as um jk rowling who just <laughs> boy she should be done with in terms of you know all right she's made her print definitely yeah. but even she understands what an ending needs to be even if that ending is brought about by the worst kind of fucking you know, <laughs> uh just bad behaviors and just cop-like antics from like its protagonist uh-huh. um it, even if it's just like the winning of the neoliberal like fucking you know uh aristocratic police state if that's more if honest, that's her yeah. fuck if that's what she's shilling for at least that's yeah. it but this whole like oh well i'm just trying to tell people's stories no you're not you're you're yeah no it's totally. the self-importance it's, of the really, walking dead that yeah. makes it so annoying you're not showing yeah. your whole cards just say you gotta what put you your cards say. on the table at some point right you can't keep on like hiding them and being like well i'm yeah. gonna wait till you so what, what do you what do you have kind of thing and it's like well just put it down humiliate yourself if you're going to and then we can evaluate it maybe then you can just like, like move on you know like there's all of this like yeah the, this sense of like impending doom that's like that like if you're not doing it like you know that if it's because i think that people know fundamentally as artists because like this is this is a thing that's like this is why postmodernism in its stupid and in its also in its original truest whatever data however you want to think about the development of art mm-hmm. and stuff like that it's like because you realize at a point like how do i top this or how you know to put it in those terms mm-hmm. but you know how do you like do anything different how do you start to change the message how do you how do you really get to a different moral how do you how and how do you not just like recreate the same shit over and over again basically you know and like people right, kind exactly. of just accepted of, like, that just... and then they just like okay well, how do you just like <laughs> run it run it and just keep it going yeah. which is really wherever we're headed i mean this is like whether you know zombies with our like vr sets maybe on right with like that'd be the kind where you're just like walking around in, like a zombie world or something I thought about that like an image of just like people walking around with like zombie like uh vr headsets on and like the world is just like destroyed i mean all we already have them, it with the fucking you know? phones i'm Basically. gonna sound like an old guy i already have it with the fucking phones. i almost ran into someone the other day who just walked into traffic looking at her phone and i was just kind of like <laughs> i felt like an old man i felt like fucking uh who's that shit bag uh comedian ah oh, damn it <laughs> Dennis uh, Leary. Oh, yeah. I felt like Dennis Leary. <laughs> I was just like, oh, yeah. You know, I like I was yelling at the young people. I didn't yell. I didn't even honk my horn. I just slowed down and waited for the child, <laughs> the, the adult child looking at their phone to like cross the street so I wouldn't kill them accidentally. Yeah, but yeah. 
I mean, yeah, we already have that sort of zombification, mm -hmm. you know, happening. And I certainly find myself in various levels of guilt of it myself. But the idea is like, you know, when can the piece of art come out where we just get over the fact that we're a nation of slaves, poltroons, and <laughs> um, and uh, wealth, wealthy poltroons, and uh, you know, fucking like uh, leery dipshits who are all terrified of the specter of irrelevance and death uh -huh. and economic indentured slavery so instead of unifying in any sort of like cohesive or sensible term or force uh, to be reckoned with we instead have vivid fantasies about shooting each other yeah. which actually might come true next week you understand that this another reason why i want to talk about this right now is like this might fucking come true in fits and starts around the country people next are week. stoking there might be the people, idea yeah there might be people who their answer to the outcome of the election is to set an apartment building on fire and shoot anyone who comes running out in, you know, because they heard that those people are Biden supporters or something. I mean, we're not far away from that as a thing. I really hope it doesn't happen. I hope I'm wrong about this, but it seems like there's been so much violence because of this. Mm -hmm. And it's not, we can't just blame Trump. We have to blame the fact that nobody has any fucking social traction anymore. No one has anywhere to go and they don't want to do the thing that's really hard because it forces them to like acknowledge their own shortcomings and also hug their neighbor, which is really icky for us. Mm -hmm. We'd rather shoot our neighbor here, which is sucks. Mm -hmm. But we don't have any unifying like uh, uh, force amongst ourselves as, um, you know, lower class or or people who are just subjects of late stage capital. So instead, we have to have violent fucking AR-15 fantasies about fucking ventilating our neighbors because they fucking, you know, put their fucking fence six inches over on our property line. Yeah. And that's what all this zombie shit really is about. That's what this stuff is. It's the ability to shoot a human target. Yeah, no, totally. Um, it's the... Without any consequence. It's the flip side of the of the disenfranchised millionaire or like prosperity pimp in your head or like this aspirationalist bullshit of just being like you know or just like well if you know like I don't, you know just justifying basically whatever kind of just, just self-defense like when i get pushed to my nth degree it's gonna happen kind of like a mentality of just like because it's like mm -hmm. because like you're saying like this the non-unifying element is like we're in constant competition and like pining almost for the threat so that we can become in further competition you know right and so there's like this mm -hmm. like this kind of amping up of it constantly and it's just like i feel like like i watched I, I, you know i don't watch the joe rogan thing ever but i watched the thing with like kanye like recently and it's just like everything that he says is just, <laughs> this is going to decide but just on the tip of just like you know aspirationalism and just like you know, I got to get on the board, the executive board, and just like, why, why, mm -hmm. why, like, you're why? just like, you're totally, you're reifying the structures that should be dismantled yeah. in this idea right. of aspirationalist prosperity pimping, like that you, like, why don't I got mine kind of thing? Like, and it's like, yeah, everyone feels disenfranchised. That's the whole fucking point. Like, and it's the most insecure rich person on the planet runs the fucking country right <laughs> yeah, now. Yeah, right. I mean, like, wait, like how is, would this be any no different? There is no fucking yeah. laurel that you're going to get. Exactly. Yeah. There is no fucking position you're going to get. There's no sinecure that you're going to be given. Yeah. 
that's going to make you feel like you finally made it if you just have a dead father who never loved even, you. Even I mean, even what yeah, you need. I even saw the video of Trump where he's yeah. like complaining recently about like you know I had, I had such a great life before basically. Yeah. No, you didn't. Yeah, well, yeah, he didn't. But it was like it's just because he's not yeah. beholden to something. Is he again? He's everything he says is bullshit. But it's just like, yeah. it's just like man, yeah. It, it, these people will never be happy. No. These people are never happy. They never will be happy. And the average American, it's like, all right, so it's like that thing where it's like, y'all motherfuckers need Jesus. But like in a right. sense, y'all motherfuckers need Jesus and class consciousness. Like totally. you, we need like human consciousness. If we can't look at uh, God as an expression of a supernatural, you know, extra, or, or, you know, powerful being, um, why can't we look at it at least as our own humanity and reflection, reflect on that? Yeah. I mean, why does it always have to be it, the king shit? You know, like when it's like, and again, like the well, yeah. reigning supreme. We're in and, this fucking, right. You know, it's like, why, what, isn't that the point? Jesus, what, he became like, he, like a, a human to like degrade yeah. himself he was, well, he was always to human. our level yeah. <laughs> kind of idea. You know, it's not about aspirational, but, but it was, it was to see what our level was sure. like, and he liked it. He liked people. No, totally. He yeah, to right. Help I mean, that's the that more nuanced approach. But I mean, even like in the more cynical, it's like yeah. you know, it's like that. It's not a like. I don't know. Like it's just like, it just it just seems like such a misunderstanding yeah. to me of like really the moral of the story kind of thing, again, but. Well, and what do we have now with the zombie thing? Mm-hmm. We have we look at our fellow humans. What do we see? Hordes of eating, hungry <laughs> mouths that you can't reason with that are trying to tear you limb from limb, and. You need to protect a small group. Uh, I, I guess if I were a racist person, I would probably think it was those fourteen words that the white supremacists right. say. You know, protect the. If I were uh, if I were somebody who was obsessed with power structures, I would think it was the president I had to protect. Mm-hmm. But you have to protect this small group from the teeming mass that just wants to. It can't be bargained with. It can't be reasoned with. It just wants to eat and rend and tear and shred. And I can't think of a shittier way to look at humanity. No, totally. It's it's like the trickle down of the aristocratic elitist mindset you know Ugh, it's it's awful yeah. it's awful. it's like fucking it's like a mixture between thomas hobbs and hitler or something it's mm-hmm. just like a little bit of malthusianism a little bit of, yeah it's just like a little yeah bit of, exactly malthusianism yeah too. it's yeah. just tar- um, i mean because it's it's like that's again the the this like intellectualized version of that similar fantasy like how do we kill everybody how do you get rid of everybody, right? Like it's just, yeah. flip, but it's st- and be justified in it and become virtuous heroes while exactly, doing it. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> well, I want to before we go, I want to just say to everybody, um, since this probably unless I do a mini Halloween episode, which I don't think I'm going. Well, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see where the week plays out. Maybe we'll do a mini Halloween episode. Let's see what we're sure. up to. If not, um. I want to say to everybody, really, please be careful out there. Uh, don't get shot and don't shoot anybody. Uh-huh. Uh, Halloween's always a prankster, and, um, prankster time, and so pe- pranks are always pranks yeah. are always getting a little, little, little heavier. Yeah. <laughs> I guess. Yeah, enjoy this Halloween. Yeah. Enjoy the, the the sort of like spiritual communion with the prankster. Enjoy the, you know, if you want to consider the communion with the other, the the veil being thinner than it normally is in any other time. Mm-hmm. This is a good time to do that. It's, it's a, good a blood time moon, to, isn't uh, it? I think it's the hunter's moon. Yeah, yes, and it's also a blue moon because it's the second full moon of this month, Interesting. which is what a blue moon is. So, yeah, I mean, you know, if you want to pray to those you've lost and don't think of them as reanimated, like they're not going to pop out <laughs> and eat you. Yeah, don't try to bring them back. You know, like and, yeah. Their story has ended. A, yeah. 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 Get your shopping done before Tuesday. <laughs> There's going to be a big kind of psychic weird thing happening. Absolutely. So please just look after each other. 
uh wear the white hats be good to each other yeah. be, you know be careful um look after your fellow human don't let the fucking evil uh racist shitbags win yeah uh, the zombies definitely yeah. definitely yeah stay safe and okay. yeah, be careful and love each other for sure all right okay, buddy man. love a... you it's great talking to yeah, you yeah that was a good one oh happy birthday to your old oh, man cool i will pass it along to him i had a good chat right, with him today cool. so yeah all right man have a good have a yeah. good rest of your evening and uh thanks everybody for listening uh talk to you soon Ow! <laughs> i don't know why i did that that's not what's going on <laughs> all right bye <Bye-bye>, everyone <laughs>